0: Good morning. Good, morning. Good morning. I don't know if there was any free will message in those stories, Frank. The, the question was, did you have any choice in which stories to bring? I, you know, I don't think you have free will, and you just were fated to bring those. So thank you for that, anyway. Because someone needed to bring them, and it just happened to be you. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about free will, maybe, because maybe I'll change my mind. Or maybe you'll decide to talk about something else. Because maybe life is just random. Let's do an experiment. For the next few seconds, do not think about a naked skier going down the slopes of Aspen <laughs> with the wind blowing and the people watching. and Just don't think of that. How many of you did not think of that? Right, so what did you think of? Coffee. Thought of your coffee. <laughs> so was that a free will act, or was he simply following orders? I said, "Don't think of it," and so Jim said, "Yes, sir," and he didn't think of it. He thought of his coffee. Is there free will or not? Can't answer that question. I don't know. I have an opinion, and I'm hoping to hear your opinions, and maybe you know we'll learn something from one another. But I went, you know, to prepare for this, I went to the MTSU library. They have tons of books on free will. I didn't read any of them. But I looked at them, and I thought, oh, there's just too much to know to decide if you have it or not. Better to just have an opinion. (laughs) So I'm going to go with that. But is the opinion freely chosen? Or is it really the inevitable conclusion to a bunch of other opinions I've had since I was 16 years old, because I haven't had a new idea since then. (laughs) So I mean, I don't know. I don't even know why it matters. I mean, most people want to believe they have free will, and we'll talk about why that may be in a second. But just imagine if you didn't have it, right? Most people, Imagine they need to have free will in order to be a full human being. But what if you didn't have it? What if you were just programmed? What if it was impossible for any of us to say the wrong thing, to do the wrong thing, to be spiteful, to be hateful, to be hurtful? What if it was simply not in our DNA? Not that our parents taught us, The other day, my six-and-a-half-year-old grandson had to go to the principal's office because he said something in class that you're not supposed to say. Not something you can't say in Florida. They said nothing political about it. He just said something that was hurtful, and they sent him to the principal's office. I don't know what he said. I asked him, and he said, I don't want to talk about it. I said, Okay. And then a couple days later, he brought it up and I said, well, what did you say? And he goes, I learned my lesson. And I said, okay, okay. What lesson did you learn? And he said, were you just born today? (laughs) You know, what he meant was, you know, were you born yesterday? You just born today? Don't you know what the lesson is? He sort of got this in his head that there are fixed things and we should all know them. That's not necessarily a bad thing if... <clears throat> he would programmed never to say a bad thing in class, never to end up in the principal's office. He wouldn't learn a lesson, whatever that lesson was, but it wouldn't matter because he never le- needed to learn that lesson because he would never do that thing. I mean, would you complain if you woke up in the morning and you could no longer hurt anybody? You know would you go and talk about joys and concerns and say, "My joy is that People like me. My concern is I can't be a schmuck. I'm using the Yiddish to avoid any hurtful English words. You know, my concern is I can't pillage. I can't kill people. I really want to be able to do that. Not that you would do that, but you want to be able to do that so that you can say, but I didn't do that, and get some kind of points for that. But what if you couldn't do it? Would the world be worse off? Would you be any less human if you could only be kind and just? I don't think so. I wouldn't even notice if I couldn't think horrible thoughts. I would just think my thoughts, if in fact I think my thoughts, which is a debatable thing. And you could talk to Frank about that in Buddhism class. But would I even notice that I wasn't cruel or hurtful or... I would just be me. And that being me wouldn't make room for those other things. What is so important? What is so great about free will? I'm not saying you have it or you don't have it, I'll get there. That's just my opinion. But what's so great about ha- what's so great about having it? So socially we need free will, and religiously we need free will. This is why we need it. We can't punish you if you don't have free will. That's it. That's it. Every religion has its rules and there are punishments attached to breaking those rules. And if you're not free to break them, you won't get the rewards for keeping them. And if you're not, if you're not free to break them, then when you do break them, we can't punish you. Of course, the rules are arbitrary. In my house growing up, if you ate a pork product, you broke the rules and you were punished, either in this life or the world to come, though we didn't really, Judaism doesn't have that, but still, you get the idea. My mother-in-law, who was Southern Baptist, uh, left the church because she wore pants to church on Sunday. And that was, I mean, Jesus didn't wear pants. <laughs> of course, nobody wore pants, but that's another story. And if her husband, my father in law, wore a dress to church, they wouldn't like that either, even if he was dressed like Jesus. Rules are arbitrary. And they're there for two reasons. One, to define the group. We're the group that doesn't wear pants, if you're a woman. We're the group that doesn't eat pork products. We're the group, and they don't do this anymore, that eats fish on Friday. We're the group that doesn't drink. It just helps define the group. But it's arbitrary. It's absolutely arbitrary. If you're an Episcopalian, and you have a cheeseburger, you're not going to get punished for it. But, if you're an Episcopalian, and then you convert to Judaism, and then you have a cheeseburger, now you're in trouble. Of course, the reverse is also true. You're Jewish, you become an Episcopalian, have all the cheeseburgers you want. <laughs> God doesn't seem to care what you do, only what label you lay on it. Society's the same way. We have all these laws, but if you're not free if you're conditioned to break them, you know, how do we punish you? We have this silly thing called uh, not guilty by reason of insanity. I think it should be guilty by reason of insanity. You broke the rule, but you couldn't help it, because you're insane, Whatever, however that's defined. Society needs to punish, religion needs to punish, and therefore society and religion need to have Need to believe in free will. Is that I mean you can disagree. I'm I'm we're gonna open this up later. But that I think that's that's my opinion at the moment. I think that's true. You can talk me out of it. it. It wouldn't be too hard. But I think that's true. Free will has a societal function that is necessary for uh, whatever group we're talking about, so that they can punish you when you break when you break the rules. Now it's not just religion or, or society. I mean Compare basketball with soccer. It's the same game. You're trying to put a ball in a net. In one of them, you get to use your hands, but not your feet. In the other one, you can't use your hands, only your feet, unless you're the goalie, right? So if you're a basketball player and you start kicking the ball around, someone's going to blow the whistle and you're out of the game because that's not the rule. But you say, but that's, I I also play soccer. It works in soccer, but it doesn't work in basketball. Basketball, hands only. And If you're playing basketball, I mean playing soccer, and you start to pass the ball with your hands, you get called on that because someone said, soccer's with feet, basketball's with hands. Now, if you wanna play the game, you gotta play by the rules. That's a free choice, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you're drawn to something like that, like basketball, as opposed to soccer. For some reason, you don't even know. But the rules are arbitrary, but they do have a function. They define X, whatever whatever X is. And breaking those rules, or being free to break those rules, allows X to have some standing. Right? You follow that? My sense is, my sense is I have no idea when I started talking. (laughs) So I have no idea when I'm supposed to stop. Oh well, we'll stop when I run out of things to say. (laughs) So you're in for the long haul. (laughs) So my sense is the universe isn't random. Let's go back to that. If the universe were random, then a giant elephant could appear in the middle of the room at any moment. right? But it's not going to do that. The, 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 the odds against that are so huge that it's just not going to happen. Now, if we lived in a town with a circus and the circus had elephants and there was some accident at the circus that the elephants got out and they're running through Murfreesboro, it might be that an elephant crashes through the window and ends up in the middle here. But that's not random. All those other things have to happen first. But in a universe where Murfreesboro has no circus and has no elephants, an elephant isn't just gonna plop up in the middle of things because the universe isn't random. But to say that the universe isn't random or is saying the universe isn't random the same as saying the universe is determinative. This is where it gets tricky. I think, and I have no choice in thinking this, that the world is predetermined, right? Because if I had a choice, my whole argument falls apart, right? I think it's predetermined, not in the sense that somebody maybe God if you like, some, but an anthropomorphic God, that some God at the beginning of time set everything in motion and whatever happens today was written into your life script 13.8 billion years ago when the universe started. I don't, I, I don't buy that. What I think, what I mean by the, the notion that the world is determinative is that two things. One. There's no part of me that isn't impacted upon by, I was gonna say infinite, I don't know if infinite is the right word, but a huge number of forces. From the cellular level, the subatomic level to the macro level. I'm being impacted by all these forces over which I have no control, and these forces determine a lot, if not everything that I do. So there's that element to it, that's the nature element. Then there's the nurture element. I've been conditioned by my parents, by my schooling, by you know millions of other things, to think a certain way, to act a certain way, and I don't think about why I think the way I think, you know, I just think. And the thoughts are what they are. I happen to believe that everything in the universe is a manifestation of something that I'll call, for the moment, God. Why do I think that? Well, I'll tell you a story, when I was 16 I had this experience and that's what, it, that's what I got out of it and you know, I can make up all kinds of things. The story is true but the meaning I attach to it is simply made up. But, some, but for some reason that notion of non-duality that everything is a manifesting of this one dynamic reality is so compelling to me, so irresistible, that there's nothing you can say that can shake that view. And, and I've been around long enough to have lots of religious people try to shake me out of that view. But nothing else makes sense to me. But why does it make sense? I don't know. It's not logical. It's not like I worked it out, like Spinoza in some kind of you know, geometric form. I had an experience. I attached meaning to it. And now I think what I think or believe what I believe. But I didn't have control over that experience. That just happened. Do I have control over the meaning I attach to the experience? I don't know. I tend to think not. Now does that mean I'm a robot? Well, according to many, many apps on the the internet, I can prove I'm not a robot, because I can identify, you know, uh, traffic lights from bicycles, so. (laughs) I guess robots can't do that. They will (laughs) soon. (laughs) They will be able to do that. But I guess they can't do it at the moment. So according to the internet, I'm not yet a robot. But am I really totally conditioned? Ever go to the ice cream? What's the ice cream place over here? Patty Jane's. Patty Jane's. Okay. So if you ever see me in Patty Jane's, drag me out. (laughs) Because I'm a compulsive overeater and I should not be in there. And I go there, not just like you might. Oh, I think I'd like some ice cream. I go there after a long debate over why I have Why should I have ice? I shouldn't do that because I'm really, I, I have a, an addiction problem. like this. And that. But if I end up in there, I end up in there. And they have these choices. I mean, you go to Baskin and Robbins. What do they have, 31? And that's what they say. There's only one choice in Baskin and Robbins for me, and that's... Uh, Jamocha Almond. <laughs> you know, I can't get coffee because it tastes terrible, but why? Why, did, why I, I go in there, I haven't been there in years, but when I used to go in there, and I used to go in there every day, and then they have a drive-through, I used to drive-through every day, I would get Jamocha Almond every day, two scoops, because yeah, what's the point? If you're going to overeat it, you might as well really overeat it. Did I have any choice in that? I stopped doing it, so maybe I did have a choice. But did I have a choice to get rum raisin, which I think is satanic, or... <laughs> right? I just can't stand the taste of rum raisin. Coffee is bad enough, rum raisin. So I only like this, not, I, I haven't even tried the other 30 flavors. I just have just had that one and that's the one. The same thing at, at uh, Patty James, there's only two things that I like there. And that's what I would get. It's not a choice. I didn't decide that mint chip is my Patty Jane's ice cream. That's just sort of drilled into me through my DNA. I'm acting on it, but I didn't freely choose it. Did I freely choose anything? Do you have any choice? I'm just leaving it open. I'm not answering. And I'm just giving you my opinion, but I really want to hear what you have to say. Two other things, and then I'll stop. There, I started to look in, uh, you know, the Jewish tradition to see what I could find on this, and I found these two quotes from the first, maybe maybe the second century B.C., uh, second century C.E., but but in in those early those early centuries of our of our era. One of them says, they sound a little bit different, but they're really similar. One of them says, everything is foreseen and free will is given. Now well, that doesn't, on the surface, that sounds bizarre. If everything is foreseen, then everything is determined, and how can free will be given? The commentary says that who's, who's the foreseer, right? It's, it's God. So God knows exactly what you're going to do. and yet you have free will to do it or not. It's not that God programs you to do X, but God sees all time in the now and knows that you're going to do X, which is why God is phenomenally bored. <laughs> because there's, you know, We were singing Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is nothing new under the sun, and God goes, tell me about it. I mean, there's nothing. <laughs> God knows everything in advance. It's got to be terribly boring, which is why God is dead, because he probably took his own life, you know, <laughs> using, using a male anthropomorphism there. But, he's, you know, what's the point if you know everything that's going to happen? Now, you, there, there's exceptions. I watched The Closer. You ever watch The Closer on TV? That hasn't been, there hasn't been a new closer in years. I've watched them all. Frank binge watches every Star Trek <laughs> along with me. We know what's gonna happen. We know what the trouble with Tribbles is. <laughs> there's nothing new there. And yet we watch it anyway because it's sort of fun to watch it. Even though, so maybe that's what God's doing. Oh, look, I know what's gonna happen but it's fun to watch these actors. You know, they, they don't know so it's fun to watch them discover something. Who knows, there's maybe a way around it. But the idea is that everything is foreseen and yet free will is given. So you can make your peace with that one maybe. But then there's another one, same period, same book. Everything is determined by God except, now the, the euphemism here is the fear of God. But it, it's, the Hebrew doesn't really get it what it means. Or the English translation doesn't really get at the Hebrew. Everything is determined by God except the fear of God. The commentator suggests, that everything is, is determined. All these forces are at work. They determine what's going to happen. And the only thing that isn't determined, the only thing under your control is how you assign meaning to what happens. How you, and I don't want to say how you respond, because that has a physical and psychological element, and that's already predetermined. But what meaning do you attach to it? That's, up to you. Now that might not be enough, but that's just, and and again, these are just two rabbinic ideas by two different rabbis and I'm giving you a third, but maybe the idea is everything is preordained except how you understand it, except how you understand it. Did those two little ducks have a choice you know, to find another path? Or were they simply forced into it because there's a fox with a sack? I, I don't know. I don't know. Would they have, uh, if, if the conditions hadn't been such, namely fox and sack, if the conditions hadn't been such as to force them to change paths, would they have changed paths? And if the conditions forced them to change paths, was it a free will act? Or did they had to do it because the conditions on the ground are such? that that's what's going to happen. My sense is, I'm going to end with this, my sense is, and I I don't even like my opinion, (laughs) it's just I can't get away from it, which is of course predetermined, but my sense is is that there are so many millions of conditions of which I am unaware, and you can go to quantum mechanics and Heisenberg uncertainty principle, you can say you can never know everything that you need to know to know what's going on, and that's fine. That's, there's, there's all these, it doesn't mean the conditions aren't there. It just means I can't fathom them. There are so many conditions setting up my life and my responses moment to moment to moment to moment that I cannot know in advance what's going to happen. And because I can't know, because the conditions are too many and too subtle, then I am forced or predetermined to have free will or at least the illusion of free will. I think that's what we get. I think that nature is structured in such a way that you and I can't help but make choices. Even if the choices are foreknown, they're not foreknown to us. Even if there's a God who knows what we're going to do, we're going to go through the agony of deciding anyway. You know, Even if God is going, come on, come on, we all know you're going to go do this. We don't. So there's what I'm going to call functional free will and all the anxiety that comes with it, and that exists. And then there's absolute free will, which I think doesn't exist. So the question that we're going to ask as soon as we wrap this up is, what do you think? And... <laughs> And who's thinking it? <laughs> and are you free to think otherwise? <laughs> you know, do you have free will or not? So I'm just gonna leave it hanging. All right, thank you.